Welcome back to another edition of Hell's Bells and today myself, Kat Ellinger and my co-host Heather Drain will be continuing our conversation that we started in the first episode looking into the work of the artful pornographer Radley Metzger and today we turn our attention to some of his more hardcore films The Image, The Opening of Misty Beethoven and Barbara Broadcast. A quick warning, there will be profanity, there'll be lots of sex, there'll be some interesting conversations on the consumption of protein, so you have been warned. So welcome back to our second episode of Hell's Bells. I'm Kat Ellinger and here with me is... Heather Drain. Yes, the Hell's Bells. And we're back today to continue our conversation about Radley Metzger. We ended the last episode on the Licorice Quartet. And today we're back to talk about some of his more racier films, which we did kind of include on the last episode, but we didn't want to give too many details away at that point uh, but today we get to talk about all the willies so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely everybody put on your trench coats put on your smoking jackets grab a fez and a decanter of something very strong because um, we are going into some tray adult territory but with class so I if think, you like yeah, me yeah we, we were a bit subdued on the first one we were well behaved I think uh, but a little too well behaved. This yeah. is going to be the <laughs> well, not really, probably not. But we are we are the hell's bells for reasons. People, we are the hell's bells, but we have to lure them in with you we know, do false sense. I want you to think we're ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we are ladies. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> we are. But um, this is very exciting because um, one thing we alluded to in our first episode is. The you know how like from softcore to hardcore that transition for a lot of filmmakers was not necessarily easy. Um, Metzger was a definite um, exception because he he first kind of flirted with it with score, uh, which has a great and at the time incredibly bold male like man on man explicit sex scene like the girl on girl is softcore everything else in the film is softcore but you have this great love scene between uh casey donovan and gerard grant and then which from is that, really unexpected isn't it because it's a kind of swingers film which were it's a swing typical of the time where you've got the two couples the naughty couple and the nice couple who get seduced <laughs> by the naughty couple but then this partner swap to same sex and you get the two women but you don't expect the two men do you it's just like a very bold move uh, it has oh, got a little we... one of those shots that you don't particularly like though where the <laughs> <laughs> okay we will and what Kat is alluding to is um and for anybody who has watched uh an adult film or 10 uh, there is that classic shot of, in, of penetration where the man, you know, the, the camera's behind the man and it's like you get like man ass and his <laughs> his balls 
and insertion. And I call it the dog's balls because to me, it just looks like an unneutered dog kind of walking around with his balls just swaying in the breeze. And it's not attractive. Let's be honest. It's not It's not a good look for anybody. Nobody looks good from that angle. Like, and you could be like the most gorgeous man ever, but it just looks like the awkward balls just going. It's just not good. It's not a good look. There's a little bit of dog's balls. Uh, but as a whole, actually, I think the scene and score is really sweet. It's actually it's brilliant i think it's so it's it's so out there as well i love that fact you know oh i know well especially because metzger i mean you know here he was like a straight filmmaker who i mean anybody who's seen his films and and me and you and i talked about this at length in the previous episode how much he loves women the camp his camera loves women his films are very female-centric um that's why I find, find that scene in score so fascinating is to me, that's actually the sexiest scene in it. And not because that's my particular thing, because it really isn't. But, you know, you see two people that have chemistry and heat and filmed lovingly, you know, you're like, that's a beautiful thing to look at. And, you know, Casey and Gerard, you know, had great chemistry and they're, you know, that's a beautiful scene where I thought the girl and girl scene was kind of like just not not, i mean not not even just because it was soft core but it just didn't quite have that same intensity to it yeah they had um oh i was gonna say as well because we mentioned a lot on the previous episode not to keep dragging him up but russ meyer the character alvira in this who's like the the aggressive wife but he was played by claire wilbur who I think score was based on a play, like an erotic it play was. that had Sylvester Stallone in it when he was in his naughty face. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna for now and forever refer to Stallone's early part of his career as the naughty face. I love that. Oh my god, it was <laughs> his naughty was face his na- too. He, it, he was very naughty, wasn't he? He's was a very naughty. He boy. was. He was a naughty boy being in a a party uh kitty and studs aka the italian stallion which is a terrible movie people trust me you might want to see it because you're like there's no hardcore sex you see his little flaccid weenus and it's just not good it's not a good movie watch score score is so much better no score is so much better and it hasn't got sly in it you've got the other guy playing the repair man who comes around but claire wilbur who plays alvira she was actually in the original play version i don't know much about about her mm-hmm. career whether she was in much i don't think she was i think she was only in a couple of films but she's got a real sense of the erica gavin about her aka vixen she's got that kind oh, of cruelty does. and that dominance and you know she's a bit of a Russ meyer bird or she kind of like she's, she's very... a bit naughty isn't she dressed up as a nun she's very sexually kind of aggressive uh, when it comes Very to predatory. poor little Lynn Lowry's, like, <laughs> in that. She is great. She really pulls it off. I love little, her. I love Lynn oh Lowry. Uh, I think every everybody should love Lynn Lowry. She is fantastic in everything, especially... We should do an episode on sugar cookies at some point. I was sugar bring cookies up sugar is so good. Cookies when we when we talked yeah. about, well, we might as well bring it up now because we'll mention um, <laughs> Misty Beethoven, uh, which is based mm. on Pygma- Pygmalion, and of course, sugar cookies is kind of the similar story, isn't it? In a, in a much darker, oh my god, it's such a twisted, way, yeah. beautiful film. I love it. With the great Mary Warnock, which marries another kind of great, beautiful brunette that has this sort of slinky lioness thing about her that like Erica Gavin and like Claire Wilbur. Um, Wasn't that yeah. Troma's first film? 
It was which is film, wasn't it? Or not? I don't think they were Troma then. It was Lord Kaufman, but it was one of the first. Oh, it was definitely did. Oh yeah, yeah and she, so, of course she was also in Shivers as well. Oh, Shivers and I Drink Your Blood, which is oh, one of my she, favorite horror movies. She's great, isn't it? We need a Lynn Lowry episode. She's just so. She looks like a little baby, though, don't you think? Yeah, she has almost this like um, ethereal beauty. She doesn't look. She looks like a fairy or something. You know, she doesn't look. Yes, like no, she does, mean, doesn't she? Yeah. she? looks a bit like when those dark crystal elves just fairer. Yeah, a gelfling. She yeah. is really, really yeah. cute. She's great in that because her whole role is being seduced by this very aggressive housewife, wife swapping housewife, and she kind of just. And then at the end, she she gets a bit naughty, which is great. But the fact that she <laughs> <laughs> and her husband's very naughty. He's kind of like very oh, sweet in that, naughty. and then you know he gets his gay sex, and then he's off with Mike the repairman and the wife and oh my all. god oh it's, it's I love that film and it's sort of an interesting precursor to what Metzger would do um, with the image with the continuity being you know using more explicit sex but also uh, you have Carl Parker who plays Mike yeah, who was a who was this Stallone character on stage? Um, he brings back Carl Parker for the image. Uh, with I don't know, I'm so curious about your opinion on this cat because um, I I visited or revisited the image this week and I love the image, but my problem is with Mike, like or not Mike, but um, <laughs> John in that film. No, I mean I don't. Carl Parker was not doing it for me in the image. I gotta be honest. Can I can I be honest as well? I revisited yes. it again and I don't know, it felt a bit flat. I mean it's interesting to talk about it, but parts of it felt a bit flat, and you're right, it was with him, I think. Um he's definitely better in score. Definitely. Much but better. he's got a, he's got a his character in that is a lot more fun though. So he gets to have a lot more fun, whereas the image is more sombre. I guess so you don't really get to see it in him in that but I don't know it is him yeah you're right there's something slightly flat about him I don't know maybe just didn't enjoy the material as much because score's like a really fun film and it and it's oh, got it's those so not good. so much comedy as his latest stuff but you know it's got that really fun kind of vibe about it and it's a bit silly well, and yeah well and there's sort of a a positive sense of sexual exploration too, where it's, you know, people kind of, you know, with, you know, Lynn Lowry and Casey Donovan being kind of the young couple that are a little more Midwestern getting kind of exposed to a different way of living, but also getting to kind of find out things about themselves and exploring, you know, facets about themselves. They kind of didn't look at and, you know, well, it's, really it's like really, I, I, I like the fact that they kind of it's intimated that they don't really get on or they it's like the licorice quartet like they kind of don't really have a very good sexual relationship and they're both very uptight and whereas by the end of it they've kind of found themselves through wife swapping or through swinging <laughs> and they just take the repairman off and they're like you're coming with us <laughs> so it is it's really good it's kind of like you know they become liberated through this one weekend where all the way through they're kind of resistant though, aren't they? And then 
Oh yeah, they really go the, for it at the end. I love that. But yeah, it's I so don't good. know. Yeah, the image is a bit. It's not as. It's not. I don't know. I hadn't seen it for a long, long time, and I remembered it being. I don't know. Naughtier. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know how these things exist oh. in your mind as being more explicit or like with horror you imagine them to be gorier and then you watch them and you think oh actually this isn't as gory as i remember um yeah yeah no that's it's, a, it's kind of like that it wasn't as rude as i remembered it yeah the images are really to me, kind of one of, uh, you know, it almost seems like a, a curious entry into the Metzger filmography because um, it feels almost like its own thing. I mean, you could definitely tell it's Radley. But, um, you know, for those of you listening who um, aren't as familiar with it, the image is based off of a novel by uh, Jean de Berg, which is basically a pseudonym for Catherine Rob Grillet. And... You you basically you have the main character who's Jean who's this um, writer who goes to a party and he meets you know an old friend Claire, and Claire has a young friend with her named Anne who's this gorgeous you know young kind of almost mute blonde, and he quickly finds out that those two have a very um, basically have like a S and M type of relationship where Claire is dominating Anne. She's pretty, isn't she? Yes, very. She's very pretty. You can touch her if you like. And she has a beautiful mouth. Lovely, soft lips. Lovely, soft, knowing lips. I love the story. The story is great. I the love stories. Catherine Rob Green. Yeah. And I think maybe part of that now is... I haven't seen it for some years, and since then I've learned a lot more about Catherine Rob Greeley. Uh, and I saw on the Rialto report, actually, didn't they introduce Metzger and Catherine Rob Greeley? Catherine Rob Greeley still live, still going, actually, in her 80s. Very successful oh. French dominatrix who likes to throw kinky parties and keeps very young male slaves in her house, uh, which is, you know, she's like the ultimate icon uh, for <laughs> life goals and so you know through through knowing that about her and there's actually a really really good documentary on her life called The Ceremony you know she's still active I don't think she has sex much nowadays and obviously her relationship with Alan who made a lot of a pull off sadomasochism in his films they their marriage was based on sadomasochism they lived the lifestyle in that she was his slave uh, so I don't know, knowing that about her and then re revisiting the film, um, I don't know. You could imagine that being based on her life. You could imagine her being the older woman because she didn't become a dominatrix until later on. She was, Alan was a lot older than her and so they were together and then he died and it was later on that she then decided she's then discovered her sadistic side and she became a dominatrix rather than a sub. So you can kind of imagine the older character being her, but knowing that what I know now about her life, I don't know. It didn't just, I mean, I know it's not for hardcore and it's, it's kind of one of those middle ground films, isn't it? So I don't know. Maybe it was just 
him, I think. Maybe he was mm. uncomfortable with it. I don't know. It's got a strange atmosphere, though. It does. It does. I, I actually, there's things I, I really strongly love about the image. Um, actually, one of them would be Marilyn Roberts as Claire, who, to me, almost kind of reminded me of Catherine in the sense that, you know, when you see Claire, I mean, she's very petite and incredibly stylishly dressed, like very classy, very sophisticated, which, you know, is not uncommon <laughs> at all in the Metzger universe. <laughs> but she has an intensity about her, like her face, the way she looks at both Anne, who's played by Rebecca Brooke, who's credited as Mary Mendham in the film. Uh, and as, as well, she looks at Jean, who against Carl Parker, there's a there's an intensity about her performance. I loved and you, you she completely sold it. She sold it as this dominatrix. And, you know, and with what Rebecca I, as Anne, yeah, she's so love, vulnerable. Yeah, what I love about the fact as well, something that he does in some of his hardcore films, and obviously here he was he was playing off the text, he was playing off the novella. Um, and it needed to be an older woman. It needed to be, because she's kind of like a mature independent wealthy successful woman who can afford to keep a young slave uh, mm -hmm. but what i love about his films and some of his later hardcore films is the and she's not an older lady but she's you know kind of middle-aged is the way that he allows older characters to be sexualized in his films which is something you don't typically see very much. Um, and it comes up when we talk about Barbara Broadcast as older characters and that. So mm. I, I like that aspect of it because it kind of defies that whole sexualized people have to be in their 20s. Because even though she doesn't do much nudity or sex in the film, she is a very, very erotic character with a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. I love that aspect. Um, and there's not that many, there's not that many directors who did that. Jose de Raz did in some of his later films, especially with how Galine continued to use it. And our mutual friend, I think it was Brad Stevens, pointed out to oh. me recently something I'd never thought of was. Uh, Jess Franco and Lena Rome continued to shoot her in porn when she was in her 40s and beyond. But generally, it's kind of like a bit of a taboo, isn't it? It's like, oh, you know, they're over 30. You know, you, they can't be sexual. But in that, he yeah. sexualizes the older character, which is great. Well, and especially he sexualizes the older character in a way that's so... that's That's kind of almost loving which is not maybe a term i would use for this film you know typically but um but it's not in a way where it's like you know i mean so many films like either use sort of older people and sex as a joke at best whereas like no she is she is a erotic being i mean and i think like that's the thing is like the power of claire and that performance as well as like you know rebecca like their dynamic her you know claire and ann's dynamic is sexual and it's fascinating and to me like jean i think part of my flat effect with jean was that you know and i liked you know i really liked carl parker and score but to me to pull off a character like that you need a man who is a little more charismatic 
and who can kind of who's better at kind of displaying sort of a layer of you know arousal and sort of a little bit of sadism but also questioning though that he kind of gets upstaged by claire yeah, he gets upstaged by both of them. He, like, he's, I kept thinking, like, at one point when I was watching it this week, I was like, I wish they would have had somebody like John Leslie, you know, or, you know, because John Leslie, you know, who was a great actor and adult, and John Leslie was a tremendous actor. And he was somebody who could pull off a character who's, like, charismatic with a lot of shadows, but enough light to where you're not totally scared by them. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Time. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, there's something, and he kind of seems like at point. Oh, I know he's part of their game. So what happens is he sort of meets Claire at a party, and she's like, "This is my slave." And the and the whole plot is, and I don't feel like this is a spoiler, so I'll say it. Uh, he meets up with these two women at, at intervals, and. Claire brings him into these games that she obviously has between her and the slave where he will be brought in to kind of touch her up or sleep with her or whatever and it's all to do with what Claire wants really so he is kind of like a a third wheel at points because you know they invite him there because they need him they need a third but you kind of think you know the chemistry is between them and not him like he could be anyone to them do you, do you get do you get that feeling? Do you think maybe that was part of why he feels a bit a little bit. I mean the thing that struck me like with the early part early well actually for most of the film is that with Jean he seems to have an interest in Claire like he finds her fascinating but he's physically and sexually fixated on Anne. But Claire, you know, Claire's a very strong woman. If she wanted to shut him out as easy as pie instead she seems to kind of invite him into their world um with like the particularly like because you have the second sequence where they go to the bagatelle gardens which is like this famous rose garden in france and at one point you know she she makes Anne like you know pluck a flower from this garden and you know put it like hide it near her you know I don't vagina sounds so clinical. I hate don't you know, there are no not there's no <laughs> lovely terms for lady parts. There are no lovely no, terms. Put it by a flower. It, <laughs> yeah, her, she puts a flower by her flower. <laughs> and you know, and, and of course, you know, Claire being a true a, you know, being a little bit of a sadist makes sure that a thorn pricks her thigh a little bit, but then kisses it. And then later on has her pee in front of them like she forced you know basically being like you've been a naughty little girl <laughs> and she's constantly referring to her as a little girl which you know is interesting dynamic wise and this is the scene obviously that you know we're you know led to believe that jean fixates on because at one point he's like trying to kind of maybe be like oh he's not going to deal with them but then he's there's this hilarious i'm sorry it's funny to me where he not the stops by and there's all these fountains the there's all these fountains <laughs> These exploding fountains of water, and he keeps flashing back to her peeing on a flower, and he's like, you know, and he's like thinking, like, yeah, like that's okay. I'm going back to that rodeo. Let's, that you know, so- it's ridiculous. It's a little. <laughs> I mean, knowing Mexican sense of humor, I think that was wholly deliberate because it oh, is kind of like somber, or like she pees on the flower, and it's all very sweet, <laughs> and then he meets uh, Claire in the street, and he. 
she invites him over and then he gets a bit shitty and he's like, oh, and then he, he's in his little sports car, little car again. And he goes by these fountains and he these little flashbacks of her having a pee. And, they, <laughs> <laughs> and this fountain, and it's huge. And it's got loads of stream. And there's that little one that's kind of going over it. <laughs> it's a lot of... Yeah, it is. The, it is. It is like just when you think, okay, that's a lot of fountains. Another fountain spurts <laughs> out, and he's like, another pee scene. And it's and it's so. <laughs> and so this is like the urination on the flower. <laughs> oh my god! Like, no. So he's, this this leads him. This is so fascinating to me too, because it's like everybody has their own fetishes, and that's hey, consenting adults. Nobody's getting hurt. It's all good. But, like, I just find it fascinating. He was like, man, you know, the pee, you know, the fountain. <laughs> and then so he goes to, to Claire's apartment to look at photographs. Of... Now, that scene I really like because he shows these. He's, what I like about this um, is you get to see the vulnerability of Claire's character in that he's, she shows him these photos of Anne, the younger woman, and... Then they get more and more explicit. They're kind of sadomasochistic photos where she's bound up. And there's this weird voiceover narrative the whole time, which is kind of annoying. I don't know. Some Sometimes it gets kind of annoying. <laughs> I just want him to stop. It's like he's explaining everything. Um, yeah. But, yeah, then at the end, he, he put, she accidentally puts this photo down that's clearly her. And uh, I think being an older woman, because you can see the hands, it's like a close-up pussy shot, but the hand is older. And so you kind of get this idea that she may have an insecurity about her age, which I love that part of it, because it kind of brings in a different level to the, the, oh. the fact that they're not just sat there looking at pictures. It's got this whole meaning in this subtext, which... which plays into then how it ends yeah, yeah. it's a great build-up definitely and you know roberts god mary roberts is so good in this and you know that's you know and, and especially when you think about like a character like claire who is so meticulous and everything she does you know my mind kind of at one point was like did she did she slip that photo in on purpose like what is her what is her attraction to him yeah, I mean, especially it's... again, this is why I wish they would have had a better actor. <laughs> I know because he kind of doesn't change alpha. his. Exp he, well, she is. She's a total alpha, and he doesn't change his expression the whole time, which is like no. I guess Radley only had what he could work with. But compared to some of the other actors that he worked with later on, you know, especially well, Jamie yeah. Gillis. Oh my god! Can you imagine Jamie? Uh, he Jamie would have been good in that role. Oh, no, he might have been a bit though. too much, though. He might have been. A bit... <laughs> and I love Jamie Gillis so much, but he like Jamie definitely bit... knew. He knew his way around some S and M. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he would have been good with that, but I don't know about yeah. when he's supposed to be sort of being drawn in. I'm not sure he's too intense, isn't he? But I don't know. Oh my god, that's um yeah, but it's she's so great, and that is such a brilliant touch. And the fact that it, it kind of all of this leads to basically Anne getting punished, which is brutal. You know? That scene is so oh. he loves to do that though, doesn't he? Just it's like you said with score, it sort of goes along, and they have a kind of 
very softcore lesbian scene and, you know, they're dressing up in fancy dress and it's all, and then they bang, hardcore gay sex. And with this, I mean, even though you know it's an S&M film, it's quite delicate all the way through, apart from the fountains exploding, obviously. <laughs> but but then when it hits the peak, this kind of like whipping scene towards the end is really brutal. It's like really, it really like, you know, you don't expect it because it gets quite nasty. Um, you, yeah. Yeah, so nasty is a good word. Uh, well, and especially because this... Um, Rebecca Brooke or Mary Mendham, um, which I think most cult film people are probably more familiar with her work with Joe Sardo. She was in a lot of um, she was a number of Sardo's American films um, like Abigail Leslie's Back in Town, which actually had Jamie, too. I'm terribly Um, ignorant on Joe Sarno films. And it's one one little gap that I need to fill. That sounds awful gap that I need to fill. <laughs> <laughs> we should say hole. We have, we have a deep burning need <laughs> in our crevices. <laughs> to see. But, um, I think Anne's hole's I, I, enough for now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, oh, poor Anne. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second because I have a little mini rant about what they do to Anne. <laughs> and her crevices in a minute but uh <laughs> but no sorry i need to actually see more of i'd like to see sarno's like um work in sweden that seems really interesting i was very actually, i was very mean about vampire ecstasy uh actually, which i have not seen on daughters of darkness because i don't know i was a bit mean about that it was good it had good scenes it had all these witchy vampire la- naked ladies with dildo candles uh but it Which is was fabulous. about an hour too long <laughs> so, yeah i'm a little sorry. hot and cold on sarno no i, so I, I don't know like i've I, not I really hope... seen any of it so i've seen a couple of these like housewifey type movies but he's an he's a he's a filmmaker i'd like to know more about See, I feel like I need to see more of Sardos. I'm I'm not as much of a fan as the Abigail Leslie era because it's he's got a great cast. It's it's just for me like some of it's a little too soap opera e. Though I do love the fact that and you know and I will always champion Sardo for this. He was always somebody who wanted to have make sure and put emphasis on female pleasure and orgasm, which of course we're ladies, we encourage that and uh, you know. People, everybody should encourage that. You should love your partners. Everybody I, have a good I, time. I have a bit of a rant <laughs> my own for that later on. <laughs> Fabulous. We will, we will do that. But um, but no, she. I thought Rebecca was amazing in this, and her whole like you know where Anne has her go fetch a whip. It's a. It's like this weird mixture of emotions where she's kind of almost like she's crying. And seems kind of like messed up about it, but then she's moaning. It's like this weird blend of of arousal and like somebody having a complete breakdown mentally and emotionally. And you never really get a lot of insight into any of the reasons why. Well, she's it's so intense um, that scene though. It is really, oh, really so- intense. I think <laughs> you know we've been talking about his earlier films, which you know very erotic, but they don't you know this is where he starts to get more intense i think especially with the sadomasochism so it comes as a shock i think if you've known only his earlier films 
because it's it it's it well it's S and M so it's got that element of cruelty, but the way that Claire gets off on it as well. Her, she whips her a little bit of the first scene where oh. she ends up having to like give him head, which um I, I after a while I felt bad for Anne having to like I I was tired of seeing Jean's penis. <laughs> I just, I'm not a fan of Sean. I was just like, no, girl, don't. You I was know. racing to uh, the end then with the whipping. I forgot about that other scene. That's quite mean, yes. that scene, isn't it? Because he's just sort of sick of seeing He's kind of pushing face. her head. He pushes her. First, she has to strip him. That's right. Which, oh, I was not... I, I'm not if you love shrimping you'll love this scene I'm not a fan of it I was like oh lord okay his big toes in her mouth okay fair enough and then like (laughs) and then and then he's all like doing that like sort of like non-subtle like dude pushing the head towards his crotch and she's like you can tell she's just like oh god I don't want his penis in my mouth and like but she loves you know she loves Claire she like her obedience to Claire um, she doesn't love the cock, though. Well, I've no, kind of like erased her... that scene from my memory. When you were talking, I'm going, oh, you know, Claire's so intense. I'm talking about another scene. <laughs> well, th- But that scene is also intense, though, because the whole time, like, Anne, um, or not Anne, but while Anne's having to service him, Claire is looking right at him. She's not looking at Anne. Claire is looking exactly right at Jean. Yeah, she and is. That is that is so fascinating. And um, you know, poor Rebecca Brooke, like she's so great in this, but um She looks a bit like Bridget LaHaye, don't you reckon? She's got that same yeah, she look has about that, her. That very sort of almost like a porcelain doll. Yeah, she's, she's like really very doll like and really I don't know. She's got that that kind of quality. And just those eyes. Poor woman, though. Yeah, and um, <laughs> my understanding. Uh, well, and her, her and Metzger had a relationship. <laughs> what together? And you know, I don't. I cannot imagine. You know, I mean, some people, if you have like certain set paradigms for your relationship, can you know, if you're open, you know, you have that. I don't know. This must have been a very um even if they did have a relationship i mean she gets definitely the most intense scenes yeah the, the dynamic and, um, with their relationship is odd as well because she's a total slave obviously she must live there but you don't really get to see the domestic side of their arrangement and what goes on when she's not being summoned in to pee or give blowjobs or <laughs> you know so you don't really get to know much about their relationship outside of that but you kind of get the idea no. that, first of all, he's bought in as part of the game. But then as it goes along, the game becomes between Claire and him. And Anne then mm. kind of becomes the third wheel, if you know what I mean. Yeah, now Anne, Anne is basically reduced to some sort of like perverse, I don't want to say prop, but almost like a tool between like some kind of power play tool between Claire and Jean and you know and it's it's so strange and I mean that's um and he you know gets to use her as he wants and there's a scene in a lingerie shop where um the um the shop girl in the lingerie uh shop is played by Valerie Moran who was actually in a number of early 
70s both soft and hardcore films um the one i always kind of knew her from was a film called wet rainbow with georgina spelfin and harry reams which is a very interesting film um where she plays like an art student and you know spelvin and reams are this couple who get fixated on her um and a very interesting film Baron also uh went on to uh date musicians and she died kind of young i think she died at the age of 52 you there's a really good interview that, with her though. over at rialto report you often find that though don't you with a lot of them is that they died so young well that's it yeah which is really sad yeah well it's and not just the not so just sad. the american well, and, porn actors like uh, like um i remember doing something on rob greeley and looking up some of the actresses from his films to discover they all died quite young and you know it's quite sad really god well yeah i mean especially gosh i don't know 52 just seems mind old so, yeah, and rebecca brooks no longer old Radley with us. went on till like 88 <laughs> it must have been the the oh. lifestyle or whatever that kept him going but yeah some of the actors though they just you know they exist in this weird little capsule in the 70s and then they just faded into you know died really early on and then you read about them you're like oh didn't see them in anything else and then you find out why well i guess with anything not just adults but yeah it's just it's it's as strange as to see like every every year somebody else passes and you're just like goodness like this is you know like it seems a bit maudlin now but um if there's one thing guys (laughs) (laughs) back to the whippings i don't know (laughs) I think as well, no, the time that the image can't... comes in as well. So he'd already done his first hardcore film under Henry Paris, which was The Private Afternoons of Pamela Mann, which is mm. it's kind of a lot more fun, isn't it? A lot of these stories are, they've got that same thing though, isn't it? It's like couples um, using third parties, so to speak, to mm-hmm. spice up their sex lives. Like you see it in the score... And Pamela Mann is is kind of like this bored housewife who goes out to meet um, people. And she sort of goes yes, out and has which... these uh, weird sexual encounters. And, you know, so it's, it comes into a lot of things. And it, it's not so obvious in the image, but you you kind of get that idea that the initial concept is, you know, to bring people in as props. Although Anne then ends up as a oh and they also he also did naked came the stranger just before this as well mm-hmm, um, which is which is so good um i think the reason maybe that's i think that's such a great point because i i feel like with the image it's almost Anne is literally a prop where you know with the other films because like you, know, you mentioned pamela man there's a sequence which was edited like often cut out from a lot of prints in America for years where there's a, a rape kind of fantasy uh, between Barbara Bourbon, Jamie Gillis which and Darby Lloyd so Raines. good. <laughs> it's so good it's, though. It's so good. And it's revealed, you have this great twist. I will spoil this because it's such a great twist. I have to, where you find out he like, he's her, like, I think chauffeur and Darby's like a maid or cook. And, you know, it's, it's a fantasy. It's not really rape, but, um, but there's still kind of like a weird warmth to it. Um, and everybody involved is having a good time. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's so good. Because she kind of goes out and she has these, like, she has an encounter with, uh, Oh God! And you've got the secretary in it as well, Mister Man's secretary. 
in that one. Uh, with that. Oh, that was with the lobster bib. <laughs> the lobster bib. <laughs> Who like it, uh, it like weird interval, she gives this guy a blowjob and then sort of says, You're disgusting. Put that away. <laughs> You're a degenerate. <laughs> it's oh it's so, which is which kind of how you felt best. about John's cock in the image. <laughs> Well, it just because it's attached to Sean. Like, he's so <laughs> unlikable and just so... I mean, and it's not just because he wasn't... Like, he's a flawed person. I love flawed characters, but it's just... Again, like, Carl no, Parker, No, I totally know what you mean. He's great in school, but... But yes! I don't know. There's something a bit... Should I say smug? Smug seems a bit mean. Yeah, he... His penis is not worthy of her. I don't know. It's just, like, he's just so bland. I love like, how... Oh, I, give me... I love how you've taken on Anne, like, you've adopted her. <laughs> like, really outraged about well, what they like, do I, to her. I, I do. Well, especially because, like, at one point where she's having to, like, give... You know, she's having to give him a blowjob in a car. She looks pissed. That is not a woman enjoying what she's doing. She looks fucking pissed. Like, you... You should be grateful I am bestowing this upon you, you know? <laughs> and and she is totally right. Because, like, listen, if that was John Leslie or Eric Edwards or Jamie Gillis, you know, you'd be like, man, this is fucked up, but this is awesome, you know? And instead, you're like, man, Anne deserves better. And then, like, when they're in the restaurant, see, now I get to do my rant about this. And this <laughs> is, again, I will full disclosure here. I... I uh, maybe it's because I'm a woman, whatever. This there are things that bother me with food insertion. Because like he puts like some kind of caviar yeah, on like, like celery the or and he puts it in her. Yeah, do, dude, do not put caviar in your area. Like that is like, are you? Do you want her to get an infection? What is wrong with you? Why would you put caviar in a woman's cooch? Like, why would you do this? Like, no. No, 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 sir. Like th- those are. F- I don't even want caviar in my mouth, much less my vagina. That's disgusting. <laughs> I love that you can't go in there and give him a punch. I know. Take I'm her like, away. Just, I kept hoping she was gonna like go full tilt, like crazy on him and just like bite his dick off or something <laughs> like i'm just like go for it girl like bite it just do it i'm tired of seeing you blow him like, <laughs> <it's> like... <laughs> i mean there are loads of blowjobs in his later films but i do think like i don't know like um i don't know like pamela man's like a lot more light-hearted isn't it and naked came the stranger as well both of those. Is it Naked oh, yes. Naked Become the Stranger where that's the woman who's sick of the cheating husband, isn't it? And she yeah, yeah, her loves husband. Bunny and big love bunny. Love, oh my God, bunny <laughs> one, yeah. And it's Darby Lloyd Reigns as the wife who I, I think Darby is one of the most underrated actresses. She's brilliant. She is fantastic. And I, think- I love her so much. Oh, she's so funny. But there's that scene in it when she gives that guy a blowjob on the double-decker bus. And he's shouting (laughs) out the window, fuck you to all the people kind of going, you've got a briefcase, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. It's really, really funny. I think the image coming after that, when you've had, you know, three films actually, because Pamela Mann's quite funny as well it's got a lot of humor the score's got a lot of humor and then naked came the strangers got a loads of humor as well and then the image is like 
completely different tonally to all those films that came before it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah, you know, it's it's so strange. It's it's good as a whole. I love the image in a way. I just wish God, I'm sorry, and that's like a broken record. I'm just like, oh, just a better, it's <laughs> a different actor. I think he's well. A different actor with the with the later films, and it's uh, you know, with the later hardcore ones. I'm I'm Pamela Mann as well. I know he came stranger. So when he got into that whole hardcore phase, there is. I mean, I know technically the pleasure here is partly Claire's, and we're. We're to believe, although we don't get to see the dynamic between the two women too much, I think that's probably neglected a bit because you don't get to see the motivation there. You just have to accept that Anne Mm -hmm. is a willing participant or she's getting something out of it. Although I don't think she, like you said, she doesn't always seem to. So you've kind of got that going on but I think with these other hardcore films there's a lot of emphasis on female pleasure and the girls do actually look like they're having a really good time whereas this one Anne does not look like she's having a really good time Claire does but in a very like cruel very angry way in in some of the scenes you know she's really I mean she plays a really good sadist um Oh, she plays the amazing sadist. Yeah. Well, in that climatic scene um, that you referred to earlier, I mean, that was, I mean, there were points where that was actually harrowing. Like, it was really kind of, it went from being sort of like, okay, this is raw, like an erotic scene to like, this is scary. Like, this is not, <laughs> you know, like this. Yeah, no, it does it, turn it's really very dark. And really, like, he looks, even looks really freaked out by Claire. Um, yeah. The end, I don't know if we want to spoil it, but I wasn't convinced by the end. I just thought, was was it this all yeah. for that? <laughs> it's like, oh, I do know. you know I what I mean? There was all be... this build-up for, for that? <laughs> <laughs> Completely. No, it felt like we were getting a build-up to a twist that, was, it's like that should have been have far Anne more. And this is what you've... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. well, and he's such a putz, too. I don't know. I won't. We've we don't want to so spoil mean. it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's well, people. He's great in score. No, he is great in Listen, score. Listen, I bet he's great in score. Carl Parker has a great. I just think he was miscast. I'm not I'm not hating on him as a person or an actor. Um, seriously, especially with it being explicit, there were so many actors working in adult that could have pulled off those different layers. And I mean, we mentioned some of them, even Bobby Astier, who people assume, you know, associate more with being kind of comedic, though he could pull off Sinister. Anybody who's seen uh, Her Name Was Lisa by Roger Watkins, which is, you know, great, very messed up, dark film. You know, just there's so many adult actors that could have been used um, that I think could have pulled off the layers of Jean uh, a lot better. Yeah, I think because there were, I think there were supposed to be layers. And being a Metzger film, you know, there should have been layers because there's always layers. I mean, even in something like Score, like I said earlier with the gay love scene, which you don't, you know, you kind of get that the husband's bi, but, you know, it's got that whole layer to it. And a lot of his characters, which, you know, a lot of hardcore films don't tend to have that, but the characterizations in a lot of his films. So I guess the fact that he's kind of cardboard on that level uh kind of detracts away from some of the tension that should be there yeah well and i mean especially 
you know, next to these two women who were very strong. But on top of that, like the main narrative and focus of the film is through his eyes. So which is which is actually very unusual for Metzger. Um yeah, it's just it's Well, it's his narrative, yeah, isn't it's, it? It's like I met Claire and she introduced it's like him telling the story. So that digresses away from a lot of a lot of Metzger's other f- films. Like one well, I, mean, I just said, Pamela Mann, it's like, you know, even though it's a couple story, it's more her story, it's more about her encounters. And Naked Came the Stranger, it's more about the wife's story. You've got the husband cheating in the background, but he's more in the background and it's all her story. So I guess it's quite, you know, because we talked about this, I think, in the other episode, what we like about his films are these sort of female protagonists and stuff. So even though you've got the two female leads who are very intense and have got a lot of presence, it is his story. I guess that's that's you keep getting dragged back to his cock because it's his story. <laughs> <laughs> It would be Uh, interesting to hear it told from (laughs) Anne's point of view or from Claire's. Absolutely. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, Maybe that's the problem. We've cracked it. (laughs) I think we have, yeah, because I've been thinking, that's the one I've been kind of in some ways puzzling over the most the past few days in prep, you know, in preparation for this, you know, for these two episodes was that it's like, I mean, I, I, I love the image, but I don't love it unconditionally. Like I do some of the others. Um, one thing actually that is interesting to note about the image is, um, the, one of the producers is Max Picas, um, who was associated as a director with a number of softcore and hardcore films, including Felicia with Rebecca Brooke, AKA Mary Mendham, actually around the same time period of this one. So that's kind of some cool, uh, cool trivia. But also the music editor was a guy named George Craig, who uh, also worked on uh, Naked Came the Stranger, but go on to work on Misty, Beethoven with Radley, um, Carter Stevens' Punk Rock, which is a really, really good film. I wrote about that a few years ago uh, for Dangerous Minds. It's got Wade Nichols in it, who we'll talk oh, about here a little the bit porn later for Barbara Nero. <laughs> oh my god the the most beautiful man in adult ever um and then later on this is this blows my absolute mind peggy sue got married by Francis i know Coppola. which i kind of like that, that crazy? film but it is crazy isn't it i like peggy sue the got guy, married this, it's silly it's it's very silly <laughs> nicholas cage i do listen people laugh about nicholas cage there was an, an era where nicholas cage was very cool yeah and he is a good actor no he can be a good actor but, but totally different but yeah <laughs> <laughs> very different i mean talking about the opening but, of misty um, beethoven which was the year after the image i mean the two couldn't be any further apart i love the opening of misty beethoven <laughs> And I think in that film, over all of his films, his hardcore films, you see that European influence come in more, especially with the music, because you've got Bruno Nicolai, who does the opening theme to that, which is like, it's got this amazing sort of Euro music. Yeah, I can't remember what it's, it's like the Tiarima the main theme that he does for it. It's just one track, 
but it really sets that tone, that kind of European vibe for that film. Has got a really, really kind of European aesthetic to it as well. So he kind of blends the two worlds together, which I love. And then you've got Jamie Gillis not playing a psycho. He's actually quite wonderful <laughs> and charming in that, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's the thing a lot of people don't, I think, kind of forget with Jamie is that um, Gillis as an actor could, he was, again, one of those guys who could do, who could really do it all. He could be likable and funny and charming and romantic. And he could also be like the absolute scariest thing you've ever seen. Wow, <laughs> I mean, there, power. there are two different Jamie's. <laughs> oh my God. He's kind of I, like I the literally... antithesis of water power in this. Didn't you do Complete, projection this is, beef? Yeah, you did this, the projection beef on Mortal Power, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. And in fact, I, I have the one to blame for that episode because I brought it up. Actually, my first episode ever on projection booth was opening a Misty Beethoven. Ah. And I had made I had made a joke about water power and Mike and Rob were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, there's a film where Jamie Gillis plays an enema bandit. And they were like, oh, my God. And which is an understandable response. But yeah, water power is... Um, it is really, it is a really good film. It's like the taxi driver of Enema Bandit movies. <laughs> and Jamie, especially if you see like a composite cut where they have, you know, because that film has had different edits, you know, in different countries, but there's a composite cut. And I, I literally almost had a panic attack watching that one. There's some scary, he is amazing, amazing and scary as shit in that. He's so scary. He that. is really but, amazing. Um, you get, to, but, it, but he could act. This was the thing. And he also, the other thing I love about him is he always looked like he was having a bloody good time. Like, you know, whatever yes. he was doing, he just looked like he was really enjoying it, which you'd like to see. You know, he wasn't just... Um, he's, in Water Power, though, he's kind of more of a David... He's like the David Hess of porn, don't you think? He's got that intensity a, to him. I could see that. <laughs> so like, yeah, and I think I think that's the thing... <laughs> yeah no no jamie like he was such a great actor and i don't i don't think i mean i think everybody a lot of people anybody who's done adult there's so many great actors in adult who never get the credit because they did adult and but i've seen interviews with jamie when he was still with us where he i don't think he himself gave himself a lot of credit because he could pull off different roles like if you've seen like new wave hookers he's hilarious in that and funny and likable and just whimsical you know almost well, and with misty they, he's so well, charming dr seymour love he's kind of like this sexologist who it's yeah. like a riff <laughs> on pygmalion where he takes this hooker that he picks up in a cinema uh, and she's wanking off this old guy who's dressed as Napoleon, and he, he's got this thing that he can turn her, you know, into the ultimate hooker. Five seats in. Five's my lucky number. You American? Most of the time. Want a no frills? What's a no frills? Five bucks for a hand job. Could we be a little less public? Fifty bucks, one hour. Make it a little less. Okay, thirty-five. Good. And ten for the room, and five for the soap and towel. Well, that's fifty dollars. Take it or leave it. Deal. I'll meet you outside in 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Mm-hmm, 10 minutes. I have to meet Napoleon. Napoleon? Napoleon! Uh. Hi, you're right on time. But he's so cheeky and charming. There's one scene in that big orgy scene where he's dressed as Caesar as well, just for that alone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You've just got to love him. 
And he's he's so uh, sweet. I mean, I love that film. I think after Camille, it's probably my favourite. Because of the Euro vibe and because it's just so much fun as well. And because of Jamie Gillis. Um, he's starring alongside Constance Money. He's really good in that as well. Yeah. Well, and those two definitely, you know, the chemistry between Jamie and Constance was so great. And... You know, Jamie Gillis is just, he makes, he's one of those actors where if I see him pop up in something, I'm immediately like, oh my God, yes, it's Jamie. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so happy because he's great. He's always going to contribute something. And, he gives, you know, he gives of, like, like, she has whatever. to have this training. She's got like a little jogging suit on where she has to suck off these dildos. <laughs> she's got like a little rainbow colored one. And then she, and then she's like working on real guys. He brings the butlers in and stuff. He's got like this amazing house, and, <laughs> and then she gets him to go and seduce and the- this gay guy. It's just so nuts. But even that, what I was saying earlier about how Metzger would like put in these transgressive, subversive touches that sort of veered away from the acceptable conventional type porn. And in that, the kind of climactic scene where she goes in to seduce this guy, she ends up in a couple. She ends up with the guy and his wife. Um, And then he gets penetrated by Constance, by Misty. So he's fucking his wife while he's being fucked with a strap on. Um, I wonder what hetero males thought of that at the time. Because I know they get a bit, can get a bit queasy about that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes well and the thing i love is there's actually the the uh the term for that is pegging yeah <laughs> uh which is which is a fantastic term and um and the other thing i love about that scene is it's gloria leonard who to me is just one of the ultimate women of adult film gloria just you know she's perfect such a bitch Bradley as well isn't she she's great she's so just like just she owns it you know she's classy she's sexy she's gorgeous she knows she's the shit she knows she's you know she knows she's got it she's so fantastic and um her husband or the actor playing her husband that film ross keen who is like incredibly good looking and he was in a really amazing film called expose me lovely which is a great detective story not to sidetrack this real bit real quick there's a sex scene with him and um jody maxwell who we we lost um also earlier this year and jody amazing actress very underrated actress and woman i actually got to know jody personally and she's just an amazing amazing woman um that is a legit female orgasm in that film with her and raz king like it, when you see it that scene and you hardly ever see that but you can tell especially us ladies we're like oh girl she's getting it she is feeling <laughs> it she, <laughs> she is on that train and it is awesome and it's it is like you're like holy shit your jaw's dropping you're like yes this is amazing <laughs> um and, and the and the, going back to misty uh the pegging scene no it's and that's the thing about radley i love because everything's so sophisticated but he's so good about slipping in these very like these sexual elements that are not considered vanilla no it's and, but great. he does it in such a way that it, it's so smooth it's just like oh this is classy it's beautiful oh there's pegging well, in that okay. whole scene you know, i think <laughs> i'm not sure if the pegging is still occurring but it's set in this room it's almost like a huge studio or something um and 
where this party's yeah. going on. And so those three are on this bed in this middle of this huge room. And on the on the, at the back of them, there's kind of like a stage with a backdrop. And so you get this really, really, really sort of long shot after all the action where their silhouettes are imposed on the back of this stage which is like a like an erotic magic lantern show it's it's crazy that um, level of detail which i think is why it's so Ew. it's just such a good film and the music in it is just so amazing as well <laughs> Apparently, the pegging scene, not that this matters, but it was a stunt ass. <laughs> that is not Ross Keane really? getting pegged, apparently. Because oh. <laughs> it gets lubed up I and know. everything, I'm... doesn't it? They're really hovering over the lubing and the, you know, it's not even insinuated, but it's like, he really yeah. does like make sure it's realistic and all the details in there. Which I think was very responsible on Radley's part it's like because you, you don't want to just go cramming things in there, <laughs> you know? You got to prepare. It's a mission. So <laughs> No, I do but I do love yeah, that. I do love that um film. Uh an interesting kind of adaptation of Pygmalion as well, because there's a few <laughs> I love the end. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to mention the end. I know it's kind of a spoiler, but when they there at the end, you've got Jamie Gillis. Is she's become the expert, and she wears these male clothes. And you get that in some of his films where women wear very male clothes, or they actually cross dress. Happens in Naked Came the Stranger. Stranger. Yeah, Um, in that, and she's now the the sexologist, and he's kind of like a love slave, which is adorable. I mean, we'd all like Jamie Gillis as our slave, wouldn't we, really? Oh, my... Well, yes. I mean, Sorry, that's, Heather, uh, did you just fake? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> quiet I know. Then. I got the vapours. I got the vapours a little <laughs> bit there. Um, <laughs> I know, Jamie... Jamie is absolutely perfectly cast there, because that's the thing. It's um, it's easy if if you know Jamie from, like, his darker roles. It's easy to overlook just how charismatic and sweet and lovely like you pointed out earlier cat like that's he's so charming he's absolutely charming in this and um from all reports like this was the film he was most proud of doing i'm not surprised all the films he he's did. great in it he really is um i mean constance is absolutely brilliant as well but if she had another lead i'm not sure you know if it would have been as good because a lot of it is to do with him and yeah. how cheeky he is yeah, um, yeah, because she didn't do a whole lot of films. I know she did a film called, um, I believe, called Mary Mary, which I haven't seen, but I did see a film she was in called Obsessed, or it's also known as Anna Obsessed, uh, which is brilliant. It's very dark. Um, it's a great murder mystery. It was written by a man named Pastro Cruzo, and I'm actually friends with him really? on Facebook under his real name, which which I won't say. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, and he's wonderful. But it's it's a very 
great kind of noir. It's like a gritty adult noir, and it's got John, um, John Leslie, and um, it's just it's so good. It's very it's very much the opposite of Misty in the sense of being like it's it's not a fun ride. But it's a good ride. Annette Haven's in it. And I know we'll get to Annette wow, in a little bit. We're going to just about to talk podcast. about Annette. Well, this is a good, perfect transition place, I suppose, to go into Barbara Broadcaster. And uh, Constance Money's got a very small role in that as well. But Annette Haven plays the titular Barbara Broadcast. It's, it's kind of like she's like this. Um, so she's like supposed to be like an icon of women's lib very sexually liberated and she's being interviewed in this beautiful restaurant uh the most hedonistic restaurant in the world (laughs) (laughs) i don't mean to intrude but aren't you barbara broadcast yes See, I knew it all the time. I knew it was her. You look so much better in the picture in the cover of your book than you... uh, uh, Would you mind autographing our copies? Certainly. Would you make one to uh, Morris Vincent and the other to Florence Dorothy, please? Oh, this is Florence Dorothy and I am Morris Vincent. You know, it's really awful the way you were deported. Yes, and for a victimless crime. Mm, were all your crimes victimless? She's almost like no. it, it's almost no, like she's no, a no. Xavier. Oh God, I'm going to say her name wrong. Xavier Hollander, you know, like the Happy Hooker. It's almost like a Happy Hooker thing where she's Barbara's like this famous prostitute who became a writer and has written about her exploits. And, and she's, she's loving. Sort of like, like, she's like high on life, renounced. isn't she? She's just she's just in her element. I think Annette Haven's brilliant in the role. Because she's oh. just so um this is actually, Oh, she's gloriousness. This is actually one of my favorite roles with Annette too, because she's um yeah, I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, of course, but she she just has this sort of um warmth and fun. Like she's clearly having fun in the yeah, film. Yeah, there's a lot of too, which is there's great. a lot of fun in the film. I mean this restaurant that they're sat in, so you've got this interview going on and around this table where she sat with CJ Lang, who's who's the interviewer, and she's kind of oh, going, oh, you know, tell her. me about, oh, I love CJ Lang. I actually love CJ Lang more in this than uh, Annette Haven, which, you know, probably never forgive me for, but I just do. I just do. I think she has some of the no. best scenes. Oh, my God, no. I, I will, no, this, maybe we'll both get in trouble for any like the handful of adult film nerds on this and we hey i'm an adult film nerd too it's all good that's sad with love but i actually love cj lang a little bit more in general i love annette haven she's a great actress and she's amazing cj lang though there's oh my god about she's her. got like this charisma yeah there's just something about her and so... i think she does in the sex scenes that she has she just steals them she's just there's something about her oh. you know um but that yeah she is just there's a quality yeah so they're like kind of having this interview and to go back to what's happening in this intro scene which is just fucking amazing huge restaurant with loads of diners and people coming in and out and then people can like order sex off the menu like a woman <laughs> the waitress comes in and this guy just this older guy and there's a lot of older people having sex in this one 
uh, summons this waitress over and she just gets on the table and he starts eating her out. And I made a joke to <laughs> oh. made a joke to Heather the other day. <laughs> so we were flicking through the films and I started just put made my dinner and I was just going through Barbara Broadcast. <laughs> And Heather said, well, there's plenty to eat in that. It's just the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of eating going on. Well, we've been about that scene. It's the older gentleman. Uh, that's a man named Zebedee Colt, who um, was not only he actually was like a Broadway kind of star. Which is and, like, not, a, I bet he loved it though, didn't he? Getting called down to do that. Oh my god! Well, it's oh my god. Well, and he did. Um, he actually directed films too. And there's a film he was in called Sex Wish uh, with Harry Reams, where he plays like a serial killer rapist. <laughs> And it's really scary, but it's amazing. And at one point, he's in drag. I mean, it's crazy. It's so good. And Zebedee's kind of one of those guys where he was like straight for pay. Like he was gay in his real life. Um, <laughs> he looks but like he, he's he would a do good heterosexual. Time, though, doesn't he? he? Looks like he's having a good time. He doesn't. He does not. Yeah. Well, let's let's just say this. He looks a lot more happier um, enjoying the the lady bits. <laughs> of his waitress i don't know how it's about her flower whatever then you're so uh, polite Rebecca did having a, you're so polite <laughs> there's not a lovely word for our, our area is there i mean it's like vagina sounds kind of awful pussy sounds crude i mean you know i don't you know there's not like a there's not a good term for like our area we need to create a good term for our area <laughs> Because it's awesome, you know, like nobody would exist without this area. And at least he Think doesn't put that, the folks. food in there either. Oh, Jesus, don't even get me started on that. Again. <laughs> I'm like, do not, do you want her to have an infection? <laughs> do not put caviar in vaginas. This is a PSA, okay? <laughs> Be careful. What, it's not a suitcase, it's not a buffet. <laughs> It's you know, <laughs> do not be putting fucking dinner rolls in there and shit. Okay, oh, like don't <laughs> treat it with love. Yeah, thankfully the food stays on the table. Well, there isn't much food actually because mostly people are having sex on the tables. Um, yeah, we see a little bit of a, a salad that gets ejaculated oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> which oh my god, that gro- that did gross me out a little bit. But I love that her friend was like, "Oh, you know what? What is she? Interesting <laughs> salad dressing." <laughs> she says. I'm trying to think her friend is like, oh, no, that's my binge food. And I'm like, lady, that is some iceberg lettuce, which has no nutritional value. I don't know the calorie content of semen. I can't imagine it being that high. It's I don't protein, think semen. Though. So, you know. It is. Protein's good for you. <laughs> I mean, but I don't know if you want it like that. I don't know if you want jizz on your salad. I don't know if I really want to go that. Okay, we're probably going down an area we should not go down. <laughs> they do love to eat it in Rabbi Metzger's, though, don't they? <laughs> They're getting a lot of protein. Everybody- they do love the protein. <laughs> you know, it's not a drops ever wasted if it's anywhere near anyone's mouth. <laughs> It's very Atkins friendly. There's no car. Even Jamie Gillis gets some of his own <laughs> later on in a in a scene. Oh, he does. Jamie was not opposed to the protein. No, this is uh, any, anybody. And I think seen, that's um, what makes him so you know appealable because you think here's a man comfortable with his own protein. 
He's not. <laughs> Absolutely. Which actually kind of makes it interesting, though. It's like Jamie is just so sexual, just such a very um, sort of like a primal being in a way with this. And um, I love that the fact that we included an Atkins diet reference. You get all your tips like, you for all of you. Your insertion <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> you, protein you learn everything the hell's bells we are not here just to tell you we're here to educate <laughs> and i think that's important uh to point out um but going about the restaurant scene one of my favorite things about that whole that whole area is the maitre d who's played by bobby Astier. Oh, he was on the one of my wasn't he on the rialto report um i know rialto's mentioned him bobby um one of my absolute favorite actors like ever he's oh my god i love bobby s Deer. again he's one of those where as soon as i see him pop up and something i'm like oh my god it's bobby s Deer. um he cracks me up he is so funny here how he's just very stuffy maitre d and just you know for everybody who hasn't seen you know barbara broadcast anytime like one of the waitresses or we find out later on even some of the clients if they break something they have to like give him head and he looks so displeased about it. He's like, oh, get this over with. You've got the two old ladies oh, in that scene yeah. as well, which is brilliant. These, like, two old ladies it just in the middle of all that. I love them. <laughs> I love those women in the hat. And they're like, oh, Barbara. They're getting their books autographed. And then one of them, like, obviously purposely breaks the vase. Oh, you know who so I was thinking of? The, the waiter, the semen waiter, Michael Gaunt. He he was on he was oh. on the Rialto report talking about that oh, and Mike, he's he was so much I love fun. Him. He was so much fun. Michael Oh my god. Let me just take a minute, like a minute to say how much I love Michael Gaunt. And um he is he is a fantastic I actually am based I'm on Facebook with Michael and he's a wonderful like artist and person, but he is also in one of He's a brilliant actor. And anybody, like, this isn't in print, but if you can find a copy of American Babylon with Roger, like, it's a Roger Watkins film, can go back to Roger. Michael stars in it as well as Bobby. And it is a masterpiece of a film. It's so good. I highly recommend it. And Michael Gaunt is just, he's a fucking phenomenal actor. I love him. He is, the, the, he is really fun on that. Really, it's good to see Isn't people he? that, um, or to hear people rather who don't. I know a lot of people that are in the adult film industry kind of disowned it later on, but the ones who, I mean, because if you think about the lifestyle and the fact that they were part of a culture that was really important for America and not just America, you know, for the rest of the world, you know, to have been part of that and known these people and worked in that to. So I don't know. I don't like the snobbery or the kind of people that disown it. Whereas you get the other people who are more down to earth and they appreciate those times and they're, you know, a bit more case-sarah-sarah about it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, especially because, you know, there's nothing. I, I just, I've always found that attitude um, towards people who've worked in adult very hypocritical, you know, too. I mean, especially because it's like a... Most of the people that are criticizing them, 
trust me they have some porn okay <laughs> like they are the ones probably that have more porn they've seen more porn than either you and i have um on top but on top of that it's just like if the worst thing someone's done in their life has had a good time with a consenting adult what's the shame of that there are people that do so much worse things especially in government <laughs> i know, you know? And they all look so wonderful and, as well to be captured you know in the in your prime and be forever remembered in your prime um yeah you know that oh absolutely and to get to work with an artist like radley metzger i mean come on that's um radley's an artist and these actors are artists too which is which is why i think it's so beautiful we're doing this because we're you know yeah, we were talking, um, I think we've actually made a reference earlier, I think in episode one about um, an article that was very critical of the image that was in New York Magazine. I guess is it the time to bring yeah, this up? Yeah, we should bring this all, up. Yeah. Get... Well, the film's set in New York, so, you know. Right. And um, this is... Uh, so this is a moment in the episode where we can, we can all get mad together because <laughs> this is so irritating. So this is from uh, a March 29th, 1976 issue of New York Magazine written by John Simon, who was a, um, I think he's, he is still with this. He's like 92 now. He's a noted critic. He was actually parodied in the Peter Bogdanovich film, uh, What's Up, Doc?, and uh, played by Kenneth Mars. His, the character parodying him was played by Kenneth Mars. Um, so I'm actually going to start with what he says has to say about Immoral Tales, which I know we haven't talked about, but I'm sure most people listening to us are familiar with that film in Brovchek. If you're not, go watch it. Brovchek's a genius. So come on. <laughs> but this is what he has to say about that, as well as Metzger's The Image. Um, he writes two softcore porn films, Valerian Borovchek's Immoral Tales and Radley Metzger's The Image, are, in opposite ways, equally abysmal. Borovchek, a vaguely gallicized pole, has ever since his early animated shorts, or sometimes animated shorts, exhibited an obsession with eroticism and cruelty, but no satisfactory technique or expression in which to couch it. In Immoral Tales, he has ransacked minor literature, yellow journalism. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got I'm no so teeth. Sorry. I'm just here grinding, <laughs> grinding my know, teeth away. And major, major historic scandals to make a film that is not only episodic and disjointed, but also written with extraordinary negligence and stupidity. <sighs> I want to fucking punch this man so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not violent. Anyways, everything merely a feeble pretext for some kinky sexual encounter frenziedly dwelt on, but very poorly conveyed. What was storytelling, directing, acting, and photography all wretched? Did they even see the same film that the rest of us have seen? I seriously, I'm like, motherfucker. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, okay, first of all, Barabchek is a brilliant fucking artist, and his visuals, even if you don't like his films, are well, subjective. Tales I respect is a beautiful that. film, not least for the. It is gorgeous um, to look at. Paolo Picasso scene, which plays oh, Bathory, which yeah, is the, just so oh. beautiful. It's got all these, like, Swedish. Oh. young women in it and it's oh it's just so amazing in fact the whole film is just so amazing but to wretched to call Borovchek's camera work wretched this is a guy who spent you know intricate detail in sets and you know these beautiful little details these really ornate baroque set designs and beautiful costumes and just 
Oh, I know. No, no. Baranchek's a master. This, this, listen, I don't care if he's alive and I don't care if he's 92. This dude is wrong. I will fight him in a ring and I will win. I think we should arrange that at our first official event. <laughs> we need our to have an event, a Hell's Bells event. event where you go and wrestle this guy and make him eat a but copy I'm of the Mole Tales. <laughs> Peg him with the copy. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh my God! Um, I know it's fucking. Strap this it is on, Heather. To me. Like, I will so strap that yeah, Blu-ray that's right. on. You're, you're. <laughs> and then, and then it gets worse. So here we have his what he writes about the image. The image based on a rather clever. Oh, excuse me, rather clever sadomasochistic novella behind whose author pseudonym lurks, according to my expert informant, Catherine Rob Grillet, with an assist from her more famous husband. That is fucking sexist, by the way. Like, we have to note, like, oh, this woman's attached to a man? Oh, yeah, like, I'm sorry. That's Catherine a little... Rob Grillet, you know, it was always considered, yeah. you know, because of her husband. I mean, it's something she talks about in that documentary I mentioned earlier the ceremony you know but yeah, in her I'll, own right she's like a dominatrix she's an author she was uh alan's business partner she was with him on all his films she's even in his films she's got quite uh quite a big role in trans europe express actually so you know but yeah i'm sure she'd, we'll she'd make that. she'd peg him with a copy of <laughs> the image <laughs> Well, she does oh some God. of her okay, that's, that's new actually gonna... slaves do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have that be our match, actually. I want it to be Catherine Rob Grillet versus John Simon. I mean, how old is he? <laughs> She's in her 80s. You know, I, I, we, he's 92. And he's 92. Listen, I bet he's not living ass. in a castle full of slaves. You know? You, oh, <laughs> I promise you that. I promise you, see, you that. You have it right there. But, <laughs> but he gets his which okay which metzger partly out of cowardice okay i'm seriously okay maybe i'm gonna join Catherine in this tag team here partly out of incompetence he adds deprives of its sting even though there's a certain low-level know-how about some of the film's technical aspects e.g photography editing costuming albeit none about the screenplay direction acting even the casting is ludicrous well you the did say, you did you did say the casting was ludicrous so heather <laughs> no no i said most of, i only said part of the casting was ludicrous like don't know don't know i'm not don't agreeing with that man no to say anything else apart from no. that one flat no. guy but i'll think if it's it gets better. He says the sweet girl victim played by a strapping Virago. I had to look up Virago. I'm like, what the fuck is a Virago? And okay, so we're going to look this up together, ladies and gentlemen. A Virago is, drumroll please. Okay, I'm going to the Webster, Marion Webster's here. A loud, overbearing woman. Or a woman of great stature, strength, and courage. Anybody who has seen the image, you know this is bullshit. She's not a virago. <laughs> she is a slave. So you're wrong, sir. You are so wrong on everything. Um, okay. Uh, the beautiful and sophisticated Domina by a much older, unprepossessing, whatever, 
and quite small actress because god knows if you're short or petite you can't dominate no. that's bullshit like he is and i mean i'm like a tall amazon but listen Catherine some Mark of the most really fierce like about people. i don't know she's four foot something or five she's foot. tiny she's so small she's three she's absolutely tiny she is so small but i well okay Catherine rob Goulet, you get in the ring <laughs> And get your strap on ready <laughs> and go after this dude because it's bullshit like this is um yeah i just but this i think this is a great example of what you and i touched upon earlier of how like so many critics and you know film writers did not understand it didn't want to understand or open their minds at all to the fact that you could have erotic elements and art well this together, is kind of why Picasso, fell out with the critics because they loved him you know, and he did things like Blanche and um, Island of Goto, and he did all his animation, and, you know, they loved him. And as soon as he started to go into, but he didn't, you know, it wasn't hardcore, but as soon as he started to go into erotica, he was a pornographer, you know, and there is that whole yeah. thing. So, you know, to do that, to go into that was a, was a you know, could mean suicide for a director at the time. Yeah, I mean, even though the business was uh, thriving, and you know, we, I, I don't think we've even touched on this, but when Metzger was making his hardcore, it was in the, you know, the golden age, that little window in the seventies where, you know, porn chic thrived, and all these amazing films were made, and they were actually made like films with people that could act, you know, before the industry kind of denigrated into just cheap director video stuff in the 80s so you had a lot of directors who were directors actual directors who wanted to make film working within that remit who made beautiful pornography um or ones that just touched on erotic films like Borovchek did and because of that they were vilified you know by these snotty critics so you know it must have been difficult yeah well and you know especially you know the thing is and it's still you know it's still problematic today because i've you know and i've I've mentioned this before elsewhere but it's like it to me it's just such snobbery because it's you know you've had fine artists in the past have explicit sexuality in their works like on a painter format you have like picasso you have um uh egon chillet you have people like that you know of course in literature it goes on even further and but yet, for some reason, filmmakers, you know, for the most part, it's almost like, you know, at best, you get it to be a footnote. At worst, you're called a pornographer with this tone attached to it of like, Ugh. you know, and it's it's just so snide. And it's um, and again, I think part of it, too, is like I think anything that's associated with um, also working class entertainment you know, it's like, you know, like horror got kind of treated like that. But I think anything sexually or especially pornographic is viewed as something that's underground and something that's for like a lower level or lower class of people. Oh, definitely. And you do get that. Or you get the people kind of like they take the more arty pornography and they kind of say, oh, well, this is kind of all right because this is art. This isn't pornography. And they try and distance that whole porno tab um, because, you know. Yeah, life must be difficult for those people because it can't be very enjoyable. Uh, there's so much snobbery, though. <laughs> Even now, though, I think I remember reading a recent review of The Beast, Barofchek's re- 
the beast when it came out on blu-ray and some guy who obviously didn't know what he was getting with his free screener was absolutely outraged it was brilliant (laughs) that that can still happen in this day and age he was absolutely disgusted about what he'd been sent which was great (laughs) he wasn't particularly um, pleased with the horse pornography at the beginning of the film the beast there's quite a graphic (laughs) scene of a, a horse a stud uh, being uh, milked. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it it happens, people. That's uh, that's hilarious. I think and you get that also, though. I, I think with Metzger because he did do he did like use these elements a lot in his films. These sort of comedy of manners, or where he'd kind of you know stick his tongue out at these kind of snobs. And I think to go back to Barbara Broadcast, I mean that restaurant scene was filmed in the Royal Man, Man the Royal Manhattan Hotel in New York, which was empty at the time. So you've got this really decadent, beautiful hotel where these people are having sex in this restaurant. And in a way it's like, you know, he was always having a bit of fun, having a bit of a stab at these kind of snobbery and these these sort of middle class culture as well oh well and especially with some of this film and some of the lines are so obvious but they crack me up where it's you know this is one of my favorite like back-to-back scenes as far as like humor in this film where um barbara gets visited by a friend of hers who's this you know lovely you know fellow sex worker and then at one point her friend is like oh i've got to go i've got a busy afternoon there was a really bloody uh mafia picture on tv last night and i was like what the hell <laughs> like is there is there a correlation here and then right after that there's this pate cock <laughs> like this pate penis and you hear this woman say oh that chopped liver cock is gorgeous <laughs> it does this weird thing so doesn't he is it pamela man where like she so she goes off and she meets these guys and stuff and in between for some reason this woman comes up and asks a really like weird cultural or political questions <laughs> Oh, yeah. yes, the surveyor. It's like, what are your views on such and such? And it's just so bizarre. I think he was just having a big laugh, old Radley. Oh, absolutely. He was just loving oh. it. Um, of course, after the restaurant scene, we get the coming together of the wonderful CJ Lang and Wade Nichols. Oh, okay. Wade Nichols this, should have if- been like some heartthrob on some like really important soap opera. So he's got that look, oh. hasn't he? That's so funny you say that because actually Wade is one of the f- very few adult actors who managed to do like a success- like a successful crossover. Which from is adult not surprising. Cause... I mean, if you look yeah, at look well, at him. Oh, he's a. I mean. Oh, he's like a thir- 1930s heart. Yeah, he does, you know, you doesn't look he? That's like a matinee s- idol. Oh, my God. And, yeah, because he was on the uh, American soap opera Edge of the Night. And one thing I found out through um, a really great, you know, another great article on Rialto was that um, there were people that wrote into, like, the producers of that show saying, hey, we know this guy's past. And they loved him so much. They're like, we don't give a shit. They? Like, they kept him. That's really and shitty. That was so- that is so shitty, know, but, isn't it? But it was so awesome that, like, the people that ran that show were like, no, we love him, he's great, and they were loyal to him, because in most cases, like, um, 
an example I think of is that film, like the musical Grease, which I'm not a big fan of, but like the Sid Caesar coach role, that was originally going to be Harry Reams. And Harry Reams was a fantastic That'd actor. Be great, I love Harry Reams. I know it would have been with Harry Reams. <laughs> I know, right? And at the last minute, they're like, "Oh, well, he did sex films." Even though, like, some of the some of the most predatory and decadent people, and not not always in a good way, were more in Hollywood mainstream than they ever were in adults. You know, it's that hypocrisy going on. But Wade Nichols, this scene with him and C.J. Lang, if I had to make a list of my top. 10 or top five favorite like sex scenes an adult or maybe ever like adult or software this would be number it's one it's great this scene There's, oh it's so good and cj i think because it's mainly about cj lang's pleasure and um on that episode of the rialto report i was talking about the um um so Laura Marks, uh, who's like a film scholar's on there, is talking about it. She brought up something really, really interesting about the later blowjob scene, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it applies here and just to the whole film. Is that all the way f- through the film, but particularly in the later nightclub blowjob scene, what you're seeing is the female gaze. And you brought this up earlier with the image where you're looking at what Claire is seeing. And you're looking at her mm-hmm. and he does this all the way through. And I hadn't thought about it before, but he does. It's all to do with what the woman's seeing and what the woman is experiencing. And it's, but he does it so subtly. Um, and the other thing that I love that he does across the board with all his erotic and hardcore films is he doesn't fucking have that awful overdub on women. They actually no. act like, like they're getting off. <laughs> In fact, he actually has the men moan more than you see the women moan. For some reason, when men have orgasms, not all the time, but in Radley Metzger films, they, they really make a, like all these weird grunting and, you know, going over the top and moaning, whereas the women are like just completely natural about it, and I love that. Um yeah, I really, really love that aspect of his films because, you know, it can be a real put-off in in some pornos where the woman's just... You just think, shut up. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> believes you. Well, some of it sounds like they're being stabbed <laughs> or something. It's like, Jesus, lady, calm down. Like, this is... Yeah, no, it's way more... It's way more natural. And plus, the chemistry... Oh, the chemistry in that just scene. The way so it, it, it takes, like, a good, I don't know, five or ten minutes where CJ Lang's just playing with herself. And Wade Nichols is just looking on. And ah. it's just, you know, you don't... And before any penetration or anything, you know, and there's not a lot of emphasis on penetration in this film. You see women, and that seems to come up a lot, and in a lot of golden age porn, is women get oral sex. And there's a lot of emphasis on women getting oral sex, and it's treated like a delicacy. And when you've got the waitress ordered at the table... Whereas, you know, in modern films, it's not, it doesn't even seem to exist. <laughs> so, yeah. That's... But in Radley's films, he really does make a whole thing about female masturbation or, or just, you know, a good 10 minutes of a woman receiving oral sex. So, you know, and it's treated like something that men should be turned on by and should engage in. And there's a lot of pressure for the women. You see that. 
I think more than any other scene in all of his other films is in this scene with CJ Lang. I think that's why she's so brilliant because it's her scene. Yeah, well, and she looks like, oh, which I love CG Lang anyways, but like she looks so much like a goddess in the scene. She is framed so beautifully. And the way that they look at each other, like that's the thing. I actually think like the sexiest thing in the scene is just. Well, they're just looking, the aren't little... they? And they've just smiling yeah. and they're just looking and they're just, I don't know. It's really magical, that scene. Oh, it's it's amazing. And, I, and one of my favorite things is like after you know after the climax he just kind of you know just like kisses her head and it's just so <laughs> it's just so touching it's the, you know it is and there's no dog's balls no there's actually one instance of dog's balls in this whole film so i appreciate that thank you bradley <laughs> <laughs> but um it's just oh my god it's such a charged scene it's it's absolutely fantastic i think the scene is with all the steam oh the the ne- the following scene is well the nightclub scene and this was the scene that um laura was referencing actually in her old little bit of dialogue which got me thinking um when you see so cj lang again giving a blowjob but you don't see the man's face it's jamie gillis but you don't see him you see his cock what you see is um so you see cj lang's pleasure in in doing it and she's having a lot more fun than Anne was in the previous film. <laughs> but what? Well, it's Jamie Gillis. But Come then on, what you, not, what you see more of is Annette Haven's <laughs> pleasure in watching them both, which is interesting. And I haven't really noticed it because it is quite subtle the way it's done until I heard it kind of highlighted, and then I thought, hang on, yeah, that's you know, you don't you don't actually see it's him till like the very very end. Yeah. So it's not really about him. He's just like a stunt cock, really. You know, I think if you'd had his yeah. face in the scene, he just steals everything, doesn't he? So. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But so they make it about CJ Lang and Annette Haven, um, even though they're not actually, even though Annette Haven's just watching on, which I think's brilliant and very subversive yeah. as well in its own very subtle little way yeah well and actually that's you know that's kind of the cool thing about this film too is that even when you have like where it's like two girls and one guy which is i don't think that uncommon probably in porn probably even today but like even earlier we have the scene with um uh susan mcbain and cj you know is watching her go down on like one of the waiters uh like cj's like you can tell her character roberta is really wrapped up in the action and like her hands on her shoulder and it never is quite into goes into girl girl or anything that you'd expect but it's clearly like the women are kind of in charge of their destiny here like the women are not doing this to please a man they're doing this to please themselves which is great if anything apart from this end scene now you mentioned this earlier didn't you well when we weren't recording the s the bizarre (laughs) s and m scene at the end which is super kinky and a lot more kinky than the image i thought Oh, very, yeah. Um, which was actually a deleted scene from Misty Beethoven. Um, and in fact, anything you see with Constance Money, 
that's not in Barbara Broadcast. Because there's a scene with her in this, or not, I'm sorry, not Barbara, but Misty. You know, the scene with her and Barbara and the scene with her and Maraschino Cherry are both deleted scenes from Misty Beethoven. And in fact, Rialto just put out a great two-part um, article about how she sued Rapley. Yeah, there was, she wasn't very happy <laughs> at this. all, was she? About no, that. no. It's a great scene, um, though. Oh, it's great. Well, and I mean, you know, her and Jamie have some chemistry and there's um, the music um, because there's library music used throughout this film and used very beautifully um, for American viewers uh, who, you know, were around in the 80s and early 90s. One of the pieces of music was a theme song that would go on to be used for the People's Court, (laughs) (laughs) which... (laughs) And it, the, the piece of music itself is actually called the, um, appropriately enough, the big one by Alan <laughs> Tew, uh, which was also used in Malibu High, like that crazy, ridiculous uh, B-movie, which actually had Alex Mann in it, who Alex was the husband of the real life Pamela Mann, ah. who was an inspiration for the afternoons of Pamela Mann, but also he was in I Drink Your Blood. So very uh, it's a small it world. It is a small world. but that S&M scene at one point I just start cracking up because I hear that music and all I can think about is Judge Wapner (laughs) and it's this weird combination (laughs) for me so I'm quite lucky I haven't uh, got that cultural association I think you were so lucky oh my god I wish I didn't but but no it's great I mean it's Constance Money and Jamie Gillis of course and um, you know and she actually even though she's being punished and we do get the great turn of phrase pap protestant american princess <laughs> which is a play on a um i don't know if they have this term uh in england like over over here there's a term jap jewish american princess uh, no we don't we don't uh, so really pap. have that no no we didn't really have that in the south either because we don't there's not a lot of um I mean, this is a very Baptist, <laughs> very Protestant area <laughs> of the country. But later on, when I'd watch films from New York or I had friends who were from New York, they'd mention that. And I'm like, what is that? You know, but no, it is like the S&M scene is very interesting. It does sort of stand out from the rest of the film, though. It does, but I, I kind of like it. I think it's a great scene. I mean, obviously, it belongs in the other film. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'll take it. You know, I think it goes with the whole hedonistic vibe. But you do kind of think, hang on a minute, where did they come from? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's just, I don't know, I love Barbara Broadcast so much. It's just such a fun film. And um, I Radley, uh, in the commentary track for it on the Distripix release of it, had talked about how, like, you know, Misty... With Misty, there was so much organizing they had to do and, you know, just scene by scene. And so Barbara was kind of a chance for them to do something kind of more simpler and just kind of more fun. You know, I mean, there were still things that were blocked out, of course, uh, and it's a great film. But it was kind of a chance kind of, I think, just to relax a little bit with the filmmaking. And it's just it's just fun. It's just it's a it's such a fun film. It's funny. You got a character called Harvey the Wallbanger. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they, some of the cast as well. I mean, I know we. Sh- I don't know whether we because sh- we're we're coming to the end of the episode now, so we're running out of time. But uh, Maraschino Terry is kind of last one of these films, which is kind of fun. But I don't think it's as good as um, Barbara Broadcast or uh, Misty Beethoven. 
Uh, he reuses yeah. some of the same cast. You've got Annette, Annette Haven turns up in that and CJ Lang, Constance Money and Wade Nichols. You know, it was made a year later. Uh, and it's kind of like uh, this, This um, it's funny though, but it's a bit silly. It gets a bit silly, I think, in parts where this, this uh, young woman turns up at her sister's brothel and she's decided that the family have decided they want to make more money and they, they live in the American South or whatever. They live in some really religious area. So they decide that, you know, opening their own brothel. So the daughter's been sent there to get some tips. And you've got this, you've got silly <laughs> things in it, like a guy who orgasms every time he sneezes and it's silly. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a little family, I suppose, in that, that time. Yeah. Like, you know, they all knew each other and obviously intimately as well. Yeah. No, Maraschino Cherry, um, for me, it's it's a cute film. It is definitely probably the weakest. Yeah, it's cute. it is really cute. It's enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's... it's but, and I love Gloria Leonard. Oh, my God. She's just... Yeah, she's fantastic. But it's, it's just... It's, it's not as filler. good as Barbara Broadcast and not as good as Misty Beethoven, I don't think. No. But it's, no, I think it was just kind of a fun filler. Do you know, film I've never Bradley. seen his later films after that. I've not seen his later work, which is a terrible thing to admit on air. But um, yeah, I think Maraschino Cherry's the latest one that I've seen. Same here. Yeah, yeah, I don't no, know why. I, I do need to see. I should really see the later films, but I don't know why. But I don't know. I'm interested to see a cat and um, the canary. I just oh, never got I around to it. Actually... I don't know why. Well, yeah, I've always wanted to see that one too, especially because, like, you know, knowing that that's a film that date back that dates back to like the twenties, you know, and had like actresses like Laura Laplante in it. It was a great silent film actress. Um, now I've always wanted to see Radley's version of that. Um, well, you know, that's the thing. we we have plenty of episodes. Yeah, we could do we could do the later Bells. ones and maybe come back and talk about how we finally watched them. <laughs> Yes, and then we could talk about how Sean is terrible in the image <laughs> some more. And so that just leaves me to say thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the episode and it also concludes our conversation on Radley Metzger. Uh, next time we'll be turning our sights to the esoteric and occult world of Kenneth Anger. But until then, let us know what you think. Jump on social media, give us a tweet or on our Facebook page and help spread the word. <laughs>